Another college football Saturday is in the books, and we're sprinkling in our reactions. This is the Sunday Shake. It is the Sunday Shake from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. We are back on Sunday morning, back to our typical schedule. Washington plays at one again, so I'm not going to a pub for the early games. <laughs> Georgia Tennessee was a 3:30 kickoff, so I wasn't stuck in the studio super late. Uh, can't say that about next week's game at Mississippi State, but Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here with you, recapping. I believe week 10 of the college football season. Uh, yeah, it was Georgia's ninth game and they've had a bye week. So I'm calling that week 10, really week 11. If you had a week zero game, we're still in early November. The clocks were set back. I was up at seven o'clock promptly this morning thinking it was later and lo and behold, it wasn't. So you know, played a little, played a little Diablo, played a little video games, took my mind off of sports for a little bit, but now my mind's back on sports because we are here on the Sunday shake. Lots to get to, lots of action in the SEC yesterday, including the big game in Athens. Uh, lots of playoff implications, lots of uh, just lots of dust that needs to settle and we need to make sense of here for this next 30 to 45 minutes here in the studios. And Alex, you know, we, we, we kind of started at, we didn't have our usual few minutes of banter before we started the recording, just so we didn't miss anything. That, that happened yesterday. We didn't want to, you know, go too crazy before we started recording the show. But, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, we'll jump right into to one versus three. Um, and from what I'm gathering from a lot of Tennessee fans, the Vols are a lot less worse off for wear than, than a lot of other teams on the national stage, even though they lost yesterday. Cer- certainly hope so. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit perplexed by some of the reaction outside of Vol Nation on this game. Um, it, it seems like the narrative is that Tennessee got completely blown out of this game. And that's just not how I feel. Like, I felt like the first half was definitely one-sided. And, uh, of course, jo- Georgia did its own job just to kind of eat the clock in the second half. Probably didn't uh, put put forth their best efforts to score it on every possession they had. But Tennessee won the second half 7-3. to three. Uh, t- scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Really had a couple of chances to go make that a game. Still, so I, I I'm just I, I'm not with the the narrative that developed after the game that Tennessee got blown out and this is you know t- Tennessee's done for. Look, it's the defending national champions. They have five to six years of the same head coach, five to six years of top three recruiting classes, five. Honestly, it feels like five to six years of this quarterback, uh, Stetson Bennett, who for anyone out there outside of the SEC, this this dude in more than one way is a, a dog, uh, especially when his back is against the wall. But it's I, I I don't I don't see why this game should keep Tennessee out of the playoff picture should they wind up undefeated. Bama has their loss, LSU's gonna have two losses. The biggest issue is if I guess Ole Miss makes the SEC championship game and beats Georgia somehow, that that would be almost nightmare fuel for Tennessee. But um, uh, other than that, I mean, this this didn't change anything for me. That this is exactly how I pictured a loss if we were going to lose, probably just a the offense never could find its footing type of loss, and that's that's what we had. We had Hendon Hooker miss uh, really two two touchdowns. Uh, that were guys streaking on a deep ball that got behind the defense and just put it a step or two ahead. Um, so that that that's that's really where my mind is. I mean, I, I don't think we got blown out. Georgia's defense played its best game of the year. That's better than it played against Oregon. Um, this is the first time this year since Oregon that Georgia's even been hyped up, and you could tell. Um, this is the loudest I've ever heard Sanford Stadium in my entire life. 
Uh, Eric Ainge is such a dumbass dude. He comes out this week and is like, I never had a problem with Sanford. It doesn't really get that loud in there. I won there twice. And Aaron Murray takes it, gets it in front of Georgia people. And of course, I mean, you saw the stadium. That was, that was a rocking atmosphere. That was the loudest, those 91,000 people I've ever been in the history of that stadium. And good on them. I think it's probably the first time a number one team's probably ever come in there into that stadium. So that, that there's a lot that we can talk about this. Um, and I, I'm going to toss it back to you to kind of, I guess, wrangle us on which direction you would like to go. Um, but I, I, I just don't see this as a super bad loss. This is the, they're the defending national champions and the playoff committee probably didn't do us any favors heading into this game by putting them not only below us, but at number three, uh, and that, that they have, Phenomenal players, phenomenal players. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I'll go back to the first drive of the game, and I mean Tennessee had the first big opportunity in this game. To they had a short field following the Georgia fumble on the opening possession, and Georgia's defense held them to a field goal. And even though Tennessee got the first points of the game and the first lead of the ball game, <laughs> me sitting in my chair there, I, I chalked that up as a W for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Because you know what can happen when Tennessee's offense gets going. And when you give up a short field like that, really only giving up a field goal is, is kind of a win. I mean, I'm sure Kirby Smart wouldn't have liked to give up any points. I'm sure he would have preferred that it was 27 to zero. But but that kind of set the tone for how the game was going to go. And, and after that drive, I was like, man, if Tennessee can't get in the end zone there, they're going to have a hard, hard time doing that from their own 20 or 25 yard line. And then another fumble. You know, this goes back to the what you said about Tennessee winning the second half. Had Georgia not fumbled immediately after recovering a Tennessee fumble, I feel like this game could have been a lot more lopsided than it really was. Um, because it just Georgia had all the momentum at that point in Tennessee. I, I can't remember if they scored a field goal or a touchdown or got anything at all off of that turnover, but it kind of kept Georgia from like really getting out to a 34 to six lead, you know, 40 to six lead like they do against lesser competition. Um, but I also want to shout out the Georgia secondary because they took Jalen Hyatt out of the game, six catches for like 63 yards or something like that. No touchdowns. And, and Keely Ringo, who, who I, I brought up on the, on the uh, the show on the right hash last week as a guy that, you know, you were like, Luke, who are you watching for Georgia on defense with Nolan Smith out? And I, one of the guys I brought up was Keely Ringo. He had a big pick that thwarted a Tennessee drive too. So I, I think you're spot on in saying that this game was controlled by the Georgia defense. You know, Stetson Bennett and company, they kind of played off of what the defense was giving them. It's like, okay, the defense held Tennessee to a three and out. Let's go grind down the clock here in the second half and it doesn't matter if we're going to if we score a field goal or touchdown or don't score at all because our defense has this Tennessee offense pretty much locked down. Yeah, I mean to to be fair, I I'll, I look at this score and I say especially considering Tennessee's de- I think everyone got a little bit overhyped on Tennessee's defense based on what they did to a vastly 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 overhyped overranked Will Levis Kentucky offense. So <laughs> I, I, I I think starting right there everyone had a little bit more trust in the defense than I did um just because I that they're they're horrible. Kentucky's offense is horrible. But I, I look at this game and I I see 27 points and even if I add in another 7 you know, just to say, let's let's just say Georgia didn't take their foot off the gas as early as they did and try to bleed clock, and say they scored thirty four. I mean, you're talking about Tennessee's defense. They they gave our offense every chance they could to win this game versus the national champions with the two tight ends that they have. I mean, Tennessee's weakness this year has been to tight ends, and Georgia has the best set of tight ends in the country. And if I'm looking at this, we had them to twenty seven. That 
our offense had every opportunity to go win this game. And that that's, that's where this game was decided for me. Um, I, I, I don't have to be negative about Josh Heupel on the staff to say that we got out coached yesterday, out schemed, out adjusted. That's to be expected. Kirby smart. First of all is, uh, top two, top three coach in, in college football, period, blank, stop there. Um, and he's been there for five or six years. He's got the best players on defense of anybody in the country every single year. Um, so I'm not saying it's a failure by our coaching staff, that, but that they got out coached. That they, they, they did. Um, and w- one thing that I noticed, and it's a reason I really respect Kirby as much as I dislike Kirby, I can't not respect the job that he's done. Um, he 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 talked about us in probably the most complimentary way any coach has this year, and it's no coincidence that he happened to handle it better than any other coach this year. We had Mark Stoops and Will Levis talking about they play real football. We had Brian Kelly saying that they don't have enough time to even run multiple plays. They can't get in multiple formations. Uh, we had Billy Napier saying uh, we can just stop them if we if we hold them through the air. Like that, they, they, they wanted to diminish, diminish, diminish this offense, and I, I I don't think it gave our guys any juice. But that certainly doesn't help your players take it seriously. And uh, I, I'm sure everyone saw the video that kind of surfaced of Kirby Smart chewing his guys out over the PA uh, during practice this week. But th- this is a guy who said that they have a special person on staff to watch Tennessee throughout the year that they were watching them before the Florida game. They were watching us during the bye week. They were watching us after the Florida game. Of course, during this week, the amount of respect and attention they paid to this offense, uh, it paid dividends. Look at what they did to it. This is an offense that nobody since Josh Eiffel has been here has figured it out other than Kirby Smart twice. This, this guy has pretty much figured out how to stop it. It helps that he has five stars every single damn place over that defense, but – you still have to be in the right scheme. The thing that Josh Heifel's defense uh, offense does is scheme guys open. It's not it, it's not just them being talented wide receivers. It is designed to make sure guys are wide open. Um, and Ker- Kirby Smart and that defense did a phenomenal job. They're the only team in the country that I think could have done that to us. Maybe maybe Michigan. Michigan's got a really really good defense too. But I want to shout out. That Georgia defensive line, they had six or ten sacks or something like that coming in all season, had six yesterday, uh, absolutely made our offensive line uh, crumble. 20 quarterback pressures yesterday. Tennessee had given up 38 all year. Um, just ten, Tennessee wasn't ready. I think they were ready for the game, but they, they hadn't faced that yet, not even with Alabama. Alabama's defense is nowhere close to that. And we'll talk about them a little bit later. But Alabama's defense is nowhere close to what Georgia's is. No one in the country's defense is close to what Georgia's is. Now, bad, bad Leroy Brown was playing, like, on a repeat, man. It was like a broken record during, during that game. Uh, yeah. they, deserve, they deserve it, man. There was no, like, there was no gimmicks. There was no, you know, re- there was no real officiating blunders that made it feel. This was just pure beginning to end. Georgia deserved to win that game. They played harder. Uh, home field, home field helped that. I think Georgia wins this game probably seven or eight times out of 10. If we play it over and over, that's just how dominating they were. Um, I'd say the two times out of 10 are just Hendon Hooker, maybe hitting his throws down the field, uh, to make it a game, but otherwise just 
a, a, a good old fashioned dominating game. I still don't feel like Tennessee got blown out. And I'll be interested to see how the playoff committee reacts to this with um, some of the other teams that went down. Tennessee's got three games ahead of them that they should win Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. If they went out, I, I would still be hard pressed to see them not make the playoff as long as they win those last three games right. If the, as long as they win them like they won the first half of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, and particularly with some of the results that happened last night too, uh, which which we'll get to in, in a couple minutes. But I mean, yeah, it's, it, like it kind of looked like me playing chess against my dad. I've like beaten my dad in chess like twice in my life, and he always has the strategies that thwart my strategies. And it was like I was Tennessee, and Kirby Smart was my dad, and just every time Tennessee tried something different, he knew exactly what what they were doing, and yeah. it just made it really really hard. To, to, for Tennessee to, to do anything, really. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, I think there's one Georgia player that deserves a shout-out, and, and that's Lad McConkey, who's really stepped up his pr- production in, in the last couple games. He had a touchdown against Oregon and then did not find the end zone again until the cocktail party last week. Had five catches for 94 yards uh, and a touchdown yesterday. Um, and he, he was banged up a little bit. He had some fumbleitis issues in the South Carolina and Kent State games as the punt returner. But he was the leading receiver yesterday. Um, and he's only, you know, only a sophomore, like one of those little, you know, Cole Beasley, Wes Welker type dudes. I, I call him McConkey the honky. I can, I can say that on this show, right? <laughs> but he, he was probably Georgia's top offensive weapon yesterday. And just that balanced rushing attack. The numbers by themselves don't look that impressive. Kenny McIntosh, 10 carries, 52 yards. Dejon Edwards, 16 carries, 46 yards. The only rushing touchdown actually came from Stetson Bennett himself on his only carry of the game. Uh, but they, they just, especially in that second half when the rain started falling, Georgia just clicked that button and was like, it was like, like chew clock mode in Madden. Like it, they just ran, ripped off four five, six yards every carry. And, and if you're down multiple possessions like Tennessee was, and you're not stopping the run, I mean, you're not getting back in the ball game. Yeah. I mean, re- realistically, they only had one drive like that. That was that big, long third quarter drive after ten, you know Tennessee gets the ball to open the quarter. Georgia just came out and milked, I want to say, like eight or nine minutes off the clock with a drive. And that that was the only time they were able to really do that all the way down and, and score. They tried to do it the rest of the game. They did it, you know, somewhat. But defense kept getting the ball back. Like, well, t- Tennessee had possession after possession opportunity to make this game a game. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to keep gravitating back over to that side of the ball, but – I, I think Georgia's offense and Tennessee's defense were good, b- both good enough for their teams to win, but the the Georgia defense versus Tennessee offense is what the the matchup really was coming into this week, and uh, just J- Georgia's Georgia's defense won the battle, um, especially Georgia's defensive line with no Nolan Smith is I mean a, a really impressive feat, uh, losing uh, Beal Jr. during the game as well. Um, you, you, you pulled uh, pointed out Keely Ringo before the game. He's probably the guy who stuck out to me the most on Georgia's defense. Um, time after time, uh, you don't really see corners that size. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a corner that size. Um, the dude looks like a linebacker or like, uh, a, a nickel safety, um, playing corner. And I mean, he, he ran Cedric Tillman's route to the, in the end zone as good as better than Cedric Tillman ran his route. Uh, that guy's got a lot of potential. They mentioned him going in the first round. I'd be hard pressed if he doesn't go high first round, um, because I've I don't know if I've ever seen seen a cornerback that visually looks like him. 
Yeah, he reminds me of like Brandon Browner. I know Brandon Browner was like 6'2", 6'3". Uh, those Seattle teams specialized in, in bigger defensive backs, but you really don't see that in the college game as much. Um, and he, on that interception, like it, he he ran that route so well with Tillman that it looked like Ringo was actually the intended receiver. <laughs> yeah, not not one of Hooker's better throws either. He put that way too inside. That needed to be outside where only his guy could get it. And th- this was, you know, I. I don't I don't know where his Heisman campaign goes from here, considering CJ Stroud had a really bad day too. Um so I, I'd be interested to see how any of that stuff matriculates, but um it, he just had he had a ho- a really, really off day. Um a lot a lot of that is because of the offensive line just not being as good as it normally is. But I mean, th- there were just plenty of times you could see a blitz was coming. And Hooker's looking right at it and does nothing about it and just kind of holds the ball and waits for the guy to get there and goes down. Uh, just pro- probably the worst game I've seen Hendon Hooker play at Tennessee. And, you know, not not an ideal time to have it, but, you know, at, at the very least, uh, it's not like he – I would rather have this game now rather than have this game in the playoffs. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Like, Absolutely, it, yeah. It, it's, it's like that old March Madness adage of – I, I would rather lose in my in my tournament game. I would rather lose in the ACC or SEC tournament and get that experience over with, and not experience that in March Madness totally. in, in the real tournament. And that, that's kind of how I feel here. I I still feel like we have a good chance. What once everyone has had a week or two to kind of push this to the back burner, they'll look back and see twenty seven to thirteen and say, okay, well, you know, that's a respectable score considering Georgia's the number one team in the country now, and this, that, and the other. Michigan or Ohio State is going to have to lose. Clemson did us a favor last night by losing. Um, you know, that, that there's still opportunity. And to me, we still have the best resume in the country. I think our resume is still better than Georgia's. But Georgia beat us head-to-head, and they did it way more convincingly. But I still think our resume is better, um, especially considering what LSU did last night. So yeah. LSU, LSU and Notre Dame did us a huge favor last night. Um I don't think I've ever been a bigger Texas fan in my life than I will be this week since they play TCU. <laughs> yeah. We need need TCU to lose. If TCU loses, I think Tennessee's back in this thing. Yeah. So so what what does Spider Man say in, in Family Guy? Everybody gets one. Well, like that was Tennessee's one. You know what I mean? Like they were gonna have a game like that this year. I, I think I think most yep. of their fans realized they were gonna have a game like that this year, and, and it came at Sanford Stadium in a game with ninety one thousand raucous fans. And Tennessee committed, I think, six or seven false start penalties. Like, yeah. flush it. Just just flush it. I mean, you got three games that you know you're probably going to win. And then, you know, as we look at look at other, you know, kind of look at other scores and conferences here, you're, you're going to discover that, you know, Tennessee did not hurt themselves as much last night as some other teams did. Um, and, you know, I, I, some of these teams won, but but they didn't look good doing it. Um, and, and the first team that that comes to mind is Ohio State with, with the noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. The, the monsoon, they trailed Purple Vandy, also known as Northwestern, seven to nothing uh, for a lot of that game. Um, and it was tied for a lot of the game. And I, I mean, it, it, that just, yes, you know, that just Stroud had a bad game. And you, you wonder what, you really wonder what the committee is going to look at Ohio State. Are they going to keep Ohio State at two? Are they, they going to move? Yeah, I was going to, are they going to put Tennessee at two? Are they going to put somebody completely different? at the two slot. I mean, and even, you know, bringing up the big 10, Michigan didn't look great for a half. They turned it on in the second half against Rutgers or in, uh, sorry. Yeah. Against Rutgers. I I was thinking Nebraska Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah. Red, red big 10 teams. Um, but, but you know, they, they didn't really do much that told me that they're like a national championship contender 
the same type that Georgia or Tennessee is. Um, so like a lot of those night games last night probably made Tennessee fans feel slightly better. I mean, we can start in the SEC with that epic game in Baton Rouge that really threw things for a loop in the West Division. Now, te- uh, now LSU is sitting in the driver's seat on that side. Yeah, they, they still have to, they have to beat Ole Miss, but right right now they're in the driver's seat. Uh, well, they, they should be. They already beat Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They've played yeah. that game. Their, their remaining conference games are against uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M. Oh, uh, yeah, that's – I mean, Arkansas lost to Liberty yesterday, so <laughs> that, that should be a, not, not an easy game. Of course, there's always a big chance for a letdown after a, a game like that, but you look at this and you certainly look at LSU and say you've got uh, – you've got a, a – <laughs> Definitely a, an ideal path to the SEC championship game, which for me as a Tennessee fan makes me happy because um, uh, LSU is not going to be Georgia, which means Tennessee's as long as they handle business, is still going to be the second best SEC team. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the number one ranking helped us in a way because if we had been ranked number three, I think we fall pretty decently. But the fact that we're ranked number one, and that that not only us being ranked number one, but they gave LSU a ten, and LSU beat Bama. We destroyed LSU. There's no there's no way LSU can push past us, but they're going to want to reward LSU for beating Alabama. So I think what we have kind of like that that doorstop with LSU where we can't fall past them. We cannot fall past where LSU was. We know Clemson's going to drop. Um, to me, I, I would probably move Ohio State down one, Clemson out, move Michigan to two, and put Tennessee at four. If I was doing these, that's what my top four would be. Um, although I, you could certainly make the case to put TCU at four, Tennessee at five, and probably LSU at six. Um, we'll, 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 we'll get our CFP predictions um, You know, this week probably. We'll probably do those again. Um, you know, Oregon's going to be right there. USC is going to be right there. Uh, UCLA is going to be right there. They're all one loss Pac-12 teams. Um, someone's going to emerge from that, uh, I would imagine. But I, I don't. I don't see any reason for Tennessee to fall out of the top six. And as long as they can, as long as they don't fall any further than sixth, they're fine because we're we have three games that we're going to win. We're not going to have to play an SEC championship game. Georgia's going to win that, I think, versus no matter who's there. Um, I think Georgia would beat any team in the country. They are the be- they are the best team in the country to me. Um, it, it, it very much was a case of that they were like the 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 genius kid in a dumb class and just got bored and stopped caring. That's why they failed is because they were just bored. Finally, they got to a class that challenged them and look look at what they did. Um, that they, they look like national champions. Tennessee is the only team that's even made it look difficult for them when they've played to that level. Um, it didn't look particularly difficult, but they, Georgia certainly had some challenges yesterday as well. Um, so uh, th- this is going to be a really interesting uh, playoff reveal on Tuesday. Um, I think Tennessee is sitting pretty. As, lo- as long as Ohio State-Michigan is somewhat one-sided and we can go ahead and kick one of them out, I think we're fine. Yeah, as far as what I think they're going to do, and I think they're I don't think they think they come out on Tuesday again. So I'll just I'll yeah. kind of offer what I think is going to happen, just in case in case our listeners don't get to to hear us do it again this week. Um, but like I think I, I think because Mich- or excuse me because Ohio State started above Michigan, both teams win yesterday. I think you keep Ohio State above Michigan regardless of how you know how, where they put them. 
you know, I think, you know, obviously Georgia's going to be at number one. Um, you know, maybe, and I just, I know I just said we can't keep Ohio State at two, but, you know, say they put Georgia and Tennessee at one and two, I think Ohio State goes three. And, you know, I still think TCU kind of has a case for being in the top four just because, you know, they haven't, they haven't lost yet and they've beaten some ranked teams. But clearly the committee thinks a lot less of the Big 12 than they do of, you know, the SEC or the Big 10. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, I think LSU is the real wild card here because, you know, they, like um, they don't have a, a quote unquote tough game left. Um, and so we'll see what we'll see whether the the committee kind of rewards continues to reward what they did if they keep winning uh, against, you know, what what they did against Alabama or we'll see we'll be like, oh, they played, you know, Arkansas, who isn't very good. UAB, who's you know, that's a, a cupcake game before the rivalry game with, you know, quote unquote rivalry game with Texas A&M, um, who also is not very is not very good and is probably going to be no. looking at a new coach very, very soon. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how the committee treats LSU. Um, but I think that win over Bama carries a lot of weight. Um, and, and, and for that matter, I, I'm interested to see how much of a pass they're going to give Bama just because they're Bama. I don't think they deserve it at all, but like, we're not on the committee. So we don't, we don't get the luxury of being in that room and having those conversations of, well, Bama has been really good for the last 10 years, yada, yada, yada. I, I think Tennessee was Bama's pass. Um, but B- Bama usually gets a pass a year. And I think they got it at Tennessee. Um, that they also got it at Texas, and uh, everybody gets one. <laughs> and, and they also got it versus Texas A and M. They've they've had an opportunity for four losses this year. Don't get me wrong, Bama's a good team, but this this isn't this isn't normal Bama. Their their defense is not good. It's okay. It is not good. Their defensive backs are not good. Um, their defensive line is okay. Their linebackers. Uh, he- headlined by Henry To'o To'o, uh, who, by the way, after transferring to Tennessee, will not win a national championship at Alabama. Uh, Tennessee fans everywhere snark. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, a- LSU is going to be a wild card. The last two games being, you know, beating top 10 SEC teams, that's going to do a lot for you at this part of the season. The the thing that hurts LSU the most, the 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 most, was that opening loss to Florida State. Um, you, you cannot overstate how much that is a black eye on their record right now. Um, but I, I think that's even more of a reason that Tennessee probably has them as that doorstop because we just handled them so so well. I mean, re- really, we're the we're the team that kicked them into gear. You know, Brian Kelly came in, like I said, you know, all you know we don't really care about this. It's not a conventional offense. We don't respect it pretty much got his shit blown out. And then he's like, okay, actually we probably need to start respecting some of these (laughs) sec teams. Not, not everyone is Auburn. Um, And then of course they, they've scored 45 points against Florida, 45 against Ole Miss and then 32 against Alabama. Um, So I, I think LSU is in the top six. I think Bama falls probably to like, I think Bama and LSU probably swap rankings this week. Uh, Bama probably falls to 10. That's the privilege Bama's going to get. They're not going to fall out of the top 10 for it, um, but they'll fall to 10. LSU probably moves to six. Um, and then Tennessee, I see either five or four. Depends on how they want to do TCU. I don't think the playoff committee is keeping ten- is going to put Tennessee at two. I, I think that they're going to see this loss as uh, maybe a little bit too one-sided for them to make the number two team. So maybe they do keep Ohio State there. I personally would put Michigan, Michigan there and – Flop Ohio State and Michigan. To me, that's just what I've seen all season as well. Um, 
Uh, maybe you put both Big Ten teams there, and then the four spot, either TCU or Tennessee, the five spot, either TCU or Tennessee, LSU at six. That's what I would do. But like you said, from the first playoff uh, revelation was they they clearly, clearly had a huge value on the SEC with Tennessee being one, Georgia being three, Bama being six, LSU landing in the top 10 of that initial one was really big too um, because that, that makes Tennessee's resume look better, uh, which, you know, just by domino effect makes Georgia's resume look better. Um, so I, I think they're probably going to want to keep with that. They're not going to want to drop their number one team too far. So as long as Tennessee stays in that top six, we're good. I, I, I don't know what that's going to mean for, for LSU. I don't know if there's a way – for LSU to jump Tennessee based on the way they've been playing lately, just because they've lost the head to head. Yeah. And I think one team kind of looking at other conferences or actually I'll bring up two teams and we've mentioned one of them briefly earlier, uh, Clemson losing to Notre Dame and, you know, kind of unceremonious fashion. I I think that's going to negatively affect their rankings, but Clemson, that being a non-conference game, they still are the likely ACC Atlantic division representatives in the ACC championship game, but a team we haven't brought up really at all is a conference game. (laughs) Yeah. No, it is. Is, It counts. It counts as a conference game. Yes. They are four and one in conference. Oh, okay. Well, Notre Dame is in the ACC for football. Okay. Well then, I mean, even so they still have tiebreakers and and whatnot. So, so Clemson's going to be the ACC Atlantic unless they lose. But the point being, you know, they, they, they are going to, I think drop, but, but one team we brought up just by name, haven't really talked about, is Oregon. And they were one of the teams, the few teams yesterday, that really did what they were supposed to do, going to Colorado and beating the Buffaloes like a drum. Um, there were probably a lot of stoned people at that game and probably paying attention to other things than football because of how poorly that game went for the home team. But, I mean, Oregon, this is a team you can't forget about, even though with, with that loss to Georgia, they're sort of behind the eight ball um, kind of compared to everyone else. But this is also a team that's possibly going to win its conference. And if they do that, they're only going to have one loss. So they need to be in the conversation too. However, because of what transpired yesterday, I don't really see Oregon moving up than more than maybe a spot, maybe, you know, maybe two um, based off of yesterday's results. Yeah. I think they'll be in at seven. I mean, Colorado's one and eight after that game. It's, you know, it, that, that is what it is. Well, Oregon has a really nice, uh, kind of uh litmus test of, of a trio of games coming up um of course i don't think any of them are playoff teams but they're, they're decent teams washington utah then they end at oregon state who is just absolutely uh you know underachieved this year uh between them and oklahoma state the uh the uh, osus that wear orange have not been uh what they should have been this year but o- oregon's got a chance to you know, put another ranked win or two on their resume. Um, they win the pack. I mean, at, at that point, you're really looking at it as what, what's going to be funny is if you have Tennessee and Oregon both sitting there vying for the last spot, both of them, their only losses to Georgia. Do, do you put Tennessee in because they've had a better resume or do you put Oregon in because they won the pack 12? I'm really glad I'm not on the committee because that I, I guarantee you whatever decision I made there, would have one side of the country coming at me like, with pitchforks and, and whatnot, torches. And, and at that point, you put Tennessee in because I don't I mean, think yes. you want that part of the country coming at you. Right. Well, and, and, and not only that, come for me. not only that, but I think you, I think if that were to be the case, I mean, you have to put up the conference that they play in and then you have to put up the common opponent, Georgia. 
And Tennessee played a lot better against Georgia in Georgia's actual house, as opposed yeah. to their, you know, their vacation house, the Mercedes Benz stadium uh, that Oregon went to and got beat 49 to fucking three. So like, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I agree with you. I think they, that's what they would end up doing. I'm just glad I personally don't have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah. It's just, but it's going to be one of those things where they're, I mean, I, I think this is probably the last year that we have of this. It sounds like they might get the playoff restructuring sped up to next year. Um, at the very worst, we have to deal with it next year as well, but then we'll have the expanded playoff, which I, we can talk about this maybe in the offseason a little bit more, but I, I'm not really a proponent of it because it makes games like Saturday, like what we had yesterday, not matter. Like Tennessee-Georgia doesn't matter if it's a 12-team playoff. That game doesn't matter at yeah, all. Nor does, nor does LSU-Bama. Yeah, I mean, it, it that one somewhat does because – but. Either of those teams with another loss is going to fall out of the playoff picture, in, in the even in the expanded playoffs. But like Georgia, Tennessee, it, it wouldn't have mattered at all. It's like okay, well, we'll probably see you later anyway. Yeah. We don't need to win a championship of any kind. We're right. going to it's make like, it with our like schedule. When, like when Duke and North Carolina would play in basketball in the regular season, it's like you know we're going to see this again in Greensboro. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it's closer to the NFL than it is anything. You know, like you have the Miami and Buffalo game earlier this year where. Uh, Miami beat Buffalo, but it's like, okay, what, whatever. We're going to catch you again later. It doesn't matter that much. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, we haven't experienced it yet. So I don't know if I prefer that or don't. Um, but all I'll say is it does take the luster off of the games. Like we had on Saturday, especially the one in Athens, it takes the luster away from that, knowing that at that point in the season with the remaining schedules for both teams, it, it just doesn't matter. They're not going to lose one of their last three. And the the play, we, we really haven't talked about just the, how that LSU-Bama game transpired. How much was riding on that one conversion? Like, A lot. Like, it was literally both of those teams' season was hinging on that conversion, and LSU made the play that they needed to make with Mason Taylor. Um, I, I definitely think he was moving forward at the time of the snap, but I don't care because, you know, Bama deserves to, to lose games like that. Uh, many, many of them. <laughs> credit, credit to Brian Kelly because that is he had the exact same opportunity to make this decision at Florida State, and he went for the point after, and it got blocked, and they lost. So he he took that, and he said, "You know what? Fuck that. We're just going to play to win the rest of the year." And I think his guys. I, I don't I don't know if they picked up on it immediately because LSU still was playing badly up until the Tennessee game, um, but that there was kind of he 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 changed a, a little bit the way he's coached his games. Probably helps that uh, Jaden Daniels has become a little bit more of a, a respectable, trustable, reliable uh, player. But uh, the 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 cojones on him to play like he has nothing to lose uh, when. In fact, he has a he had a fair amount to lose in that game last night if they lost uh, to go for it on second uh, go for two, and um, it, it was didn't even look like it was one of those particular like we practice this all week type of plays. It was a pretty normal second uh, you know a two point conversion play. They just executed it really well, so I, I give him a lot of props for having the cojones to go do that. Yeah, and and like. But just the Bama guy hustling off the field was like right before the snap. I was cracking up because I was like, what if they snap the ball, don't get it, and then Bama gets whistled for having 12 men and they get to do it again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, would, yeah. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but like, 
I don't know, man. I just, I, I that was pretty much, I, I saw like basically the fourth quarter of that game, which was pretty much all I needed to see. Uh, but there were, you know, Mason, that wasn't Mason Taylor's only big catch. Like he made that, you texted me after his touchdown. And I think the third quarter, right? That was a yeah. man's catch. Like that was, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> that, that, that was, that was big time. Like, I, I don't know why it made me think of this guy because they're not exactly the same, but that that was the that was the moment that every time you needed a touchdown, Philip Lutz and Kirkin showed up. <laughs> wow, it reminded that's me amazing. of Lutz and Kirkin so much. Auburn, Auburn guy? Auburn's fullback, dude. Yeah, um, but he he just had this uncanny ability to no matter what happened, make the play, and that that's what Mason Taylor. By the way, if you didn't watch the game, son of Jason Taylor, um, the Jason Taylor, the <laughs> Jason Taylor. I think he's married to Zach Thomas's uh, if, daughter. If you, I see the result. I see the dude kind of looks like Zach Thomas, so I, 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 I could see that. Uh, but, but yeah, if you drank every time they said he was Jason Taylor's son, you would not be awake right now. You would still but, be passed out with X's drawn on your eyes. <laughs> it's like they only look for sons of former NFL players because they had Thad Moss like during the 2019 <laughs> season. Oh, Thad Moss also an NC State alum. Go Pack. Um, <laughs> but uh, a- anyway, it it just reminded me so much of like that. That turn of the 2000s type football is what that game reminded me of. Um, even the Georgia-Tennessee game to a degree. I mean, you look at 27-13, that's a 2001 score. That's not a 2022 score. Um, so we had a little bit of old-time football. Um, j- just a quick recap of some other scores across the country yesterday. Um, of course, you had Michigan beating Rutgers 52-17. to TCU beats Texas Tech 34-24. Uh, USC handles California 41-35. Cal mounted a comeback last night in the fourth quarter. Almost made that uh, a, a tied game. Um, UCLA beats Arizona State 50-36. to Texas beats Kansas State in a ranked-on-ranked matchup 34-27. Uh, Utah handles Arizona. Penn State handled Indiana. Michigan State was one of the more surprising upsets of the day, beating Illinois 23-15. That's a yeah, surprise Indies there from the, from the Spartans. For real, um, yeah, yeah, had a, a really, really surprising scoreline. North Carolina and Virginia, thirty-one twenty-eight. Uh, Virginia tallying a touchdown in every single quarter. Um, lottery. Uh, thir- thirty-one twenty-eight. Not, not a bad day. Held Drake May kind of in check, I guess, in terms of what you normally expect out of him. Under three hundred yards and two touchdowns. You know. You, you, you'll you'll take that if if you were to sign up for it before the game. Be like, okay, just give me that. We'll try to win with it. Um, so good good effort by the Cavs, but no cigar. Uh, Kansas drubbing Oklahoma State like everyone who's played them this month or in the last three weeks. Um, absolutely no competition. Tulane beats Tulsa in the Battle of the Tuz. Um, Pittsburgh, interesting. Nineteen to nine beat Syracuse. Uh, <laughs> that is such a Pittsburgh Syracuse score. <laughs> I mean, they won nineteen to nine. Their quarterback didn't throw a touchdown and had a pick. That's, I mean that that is that is a Pittsburgh Syracuse. Nobody watched this game special right there. Um, and then you know, I, I guess kind of a, a under the radar ranked matchup. UCF uh, edges out Memphis thirty five twenty eight. Um, so that that's what we had from the, the ranked side of things. Yeah, um, game day going to UCF and Tulane next week. That That's awesome. Well-deserved for, for the wave, dude. I, I'm happy for that. Good. Good good for them. 
Um, just uh, I'm going to run through the SEC real quick since I think a lot of our listeners are SEC folks. Um, at Kentucky, edge out Missouri, 21-17. Uh, Will Levis, 170 yards, three touchdowns. Um, that, from from what I've heard, they, they might try to uh, – to, to put him in this previous draft class, he's so good. They're going to make him go number one in the 2022 cl- draft class instead of 23. Um, <laughs> after having three touchdowns, he is now God's gift. Um, Florida beats Texas A&M. Uh, both of us picked that to happen on our show. <laughs> we didn't know half the Texas A&M roster was going to be out with the flu, um, but they played okay. Florida just played a lot better. The fighting Hugh Freezes, as mentioned earlier, went in to Arkansas and beat them 21 to 19. Uh, Arkansas a little bit too late on their comeback that they tried to mount. Um, we had a really, really fun game last night in my surprise indie pick of the week, Auburn over Mississippi State. Um, made it to overtime. Mississippi State uh, catches a, uh, runs in a touchdown, I believe, for the win. Uh, Auburn missed a field goal in overtime. But, man, great job by Carnell Cadillac Williams in his first game. Those guys looked juice they they were down 24 to 6 early and they just did not give up they kept coming um they couldn't stop will rogers dude 357 yards and three touchdowns not a whole lot you can do about that but um good game from them and then south carolina beat vanderbilt expected that yeah (laughs) yeah we just had to mention that mention that mike barlow congratulations get a win satterfield keeps his job for another week (laughs) all right (laughs) but um and then, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the battle of I-40, the battle of Luke's old hometown versus his current hometown, NC State defeating Wake Forest, a game that doesn't really isn't really going to factor into the national stage. But go Wolfpack! Got a got yep. a big win against a against a, a close opponent that had beaten us in their house last year. So uh, awesome, MJ Morris! I like what I see. But I'm just going to say, shout out to MJ Morris. The, the dude looks like a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he looks. I, 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 he's only a freshman, right? So I, th- I think true freshman. Yeah, I think. I think you know, at least at that 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 position, the future is a little bit brighter than it is at most positions for Dave Doran's crew moving forward. Uh, but but I, I I caught you know the the end of that Auburn game too, and Nick Cadillac Williams and his coaching debut. I mean, he looked like he was just like having so much fun, like regardless of the score. Um, and and. Uh, man, I, I Auburn would have lost that game at 24-12 if Brian Harson was still the coach. The final score is 42-12 Mississippi State. I mean, even though Auburn didn't win the game, you just saw the difference. And and this is, you know, this has kind of been your system for surprise indies over the last few weeks. Pick the team that just fired their coach and it you you missed it, you know, Maxwell Smart would say, missed it by that much, that much. last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was there, you know, the 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 theory works. It's just, you know, <laughs> So sometimes you're just playing a slightly better team with a little bit better offense, but or you, you know, have to listen to cowbells all night long. I, God, don't <laughs> even get me started. But uh, I just gotta hope a coach gets fired every week, or else I might actually have to start, you know, using brain power on these picks. <laughs> and in other news, uh, breaking news: Virginia has fired Tony Elliott. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You can fire him. I trust you. <laughs> or NC State has fired Dave Doran going into the UNC game. All right, let's let's do this. Dude, honestly, <laughs> I've been I've been so anti Dave Doran when he had Devin Leary, but I, I I'm a little I'm riding a little bit more with him right now because just the way that they've been able to hold on to this thing without yeah. Devin Leary. 
Um, it it shows that he has constructed a complete roster and just failed miserably at stocking wide receivers and quarterbacks for this year. Yeah, and just the offense. The offense is ugly, man. It's just so hard to watch unless MJ Morris is doing something with his feet. Like, it's just, it's, ugh, that defense, it's like pulling man. teeth, pulling teeth. That, <laughs> oh, who was the uh, who was the receiver who caught the the touchdown and the two point conversion last night? It started with uh, an A. Oh, I couldn't I, even tell you or something like that. I was um, still in. Uh, I was still in just in coming down from doing the Georgia broadcast. Um, but it, it was a guy I'd never heard of, but he made two really good catches off so of really nice throws. Keon Lassane had a twelve yard touchdown, and then Daryl Daryl Jones had two. So yeah, guys yeah. that you don't normally see. Look, Lassane had this really nice catch over the middle of the field, though, uh, for about 40 yards that really set up that last touchdown drive for, for NC State. And, uh, you know, it it was just it, – it looked kind of like what you expect out of Carter Finley a little bit more often, um, you know, where you just have kind of these guys you've never heard of, but they're, they're, they're putting up plays. Um, and that's more of what we saw from NC State yesterday uh, against – I, I, I don't know what's happened to Sam Hartman, man. I mean, I know he threw for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns, but he, he had six turnovers the week before. He had two or three turnovers last night. Um, he just not he has not been secure with the football. And I, Wake Forest is about to be unranked. That's weird. Yeah, yeah I think he's maybe, you know, the health issues he had at the beginning of the year may be catching Possibly. up with him a little bit. Um, but, you know, NC State is, you know, they're, they're bowl eligible. You know, they're they're – not probably not going to figure factor into the ACC Atlantic race with with Clemson playing the way they're playing, and you know Clemson only has to win two more games, or I think even one more game. Uh, but uh, I'll check the math on that later. Uh, but just going going real quickly back to, to Cadillac Williams, you know Auburn is going to be one of the primary coaching searches I think in this offseason just because of where they you know what conference they play and where they're located. But I think Cadillac Williams ha- has a good chance at, at being the head coach. And my reason, the reason why I think that is this: go, you know, even without the game last night, a lot of the trends in college sports have been to, you know, and this has happened in basketball with a few name programs. Like Michigan hired Jawan Howard, an alum, to you know be the face of the program. And with the NIL and you know athletes moving the way that they are and choosing schools because of the reasons that they choose them. You know, having a guy like Cadillac Williams as the face of your program, who if you grew up in Alabama and were an Auburn fan, you probably watched him on TV, watched him and Ronnie Brown, you know, tearing it up on the ground. Well, you know, then you think about the rest of your staff and what Michigan basketball did was hire Phil Martelli, a guy from St. Joseph's with a lot of head coaching experience and somebody who had been around the block and just knew how to, you know, navigate this environment. I think Auburn can really benefit by doing something like that keeping Cadillac as their head coach and then hiring some guy with, you know, somebody, I don't even know who this might be, but somebody with head coaching experience to be the offensive or defensive coordinator and really kind of guide, guide through as Cadillac is the face of the program, the head coach and the guy who's coming into your mom's kitchen asking for pecan pie and telling me, telling that mom, you know, your son's going to be great playing at Auburn. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying and I don't disagree with it. I just wonder if that's, even in Auburn's vision right now with how bad things have been, like would they take that risk after just having to shell out $15 million for a guy they just hired? Um, Yeah. I just think, I just think, you know, and this, this is all, you know, this is also kind of a a building block and why I think this is a possibility. I've been harping on how bad of a fit Brian Harson was. Like it wasn't a question of whether the man could coach football. We knew he could coach football. 
You know, he proved that at Boise State. It was just such an awful, awful fit. And to me, the fit with Cadillac Williams is just a complete 180 from that. So that's another reason I'm kind of kind of floating this idea. But just just it's, you know, square peg, round hole, Brian Harson, round peg, round hole, Cadillac Williams. Yeah, I, I I like it. And obviously, I texted you last night. I said, I hope they give Cadillac a shot. Um, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to say he deserves the shot after one game. I want to see how he does the rest of this year. If the team stays in it, um, with with just the I, I guess quarterback issue that they have right now, if they're able to stay in these games and look respectable, I, I would say he's got an okay shot. But c- considering he's going to be up against a guy like Hugh Freeze, who just won an SEC game yesterday with Liberty, um, or a Lane Kiffin who's in the top ten, uh. It, he he has actual like battle tested head coaches in the SEC that are coming for this job that are going to be interested in this job, and I I just don't know if I see Auburn making the choice to go with Cadillac over a guy like that. Now, I think that they'll have Cadillac on the staff, and I think that they should have Cadillac on the staff just because they take him out of the interim role. I don't think should be one of these signals like we don't think you're good enough. It's one of those things where we we just need you to be a little bit more baptized in this first before we give you the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. Like we loved you as a player. We've loved you as a, you know, a position coach as a interim head coach, but this is the sec and we have to compete with an LSU team who just went and snatched Brian Kelly from from Notre Dame. It's so serious over here. Um, can, Can we be in the same conversation as being serious if we just hire from, from inside and hire a guy who's never been a head coach before, much less a coordinator um, over an option like a Hugh Freeze, over an option like a Lane Kiffin. Um, There was another name that I saw thrown around recently too, and I just can't remember what it was, Uh, but it big names all over the board. I I just can't see Auburn spending $15 million to get rid of Brian Harson just to promote Cadillac Williams to head coach. That's just how I feel about it. However, if he plays well the rest, if he does really well the rest of this season, I think at the very least they need to go through the process of legitimately including him in their options for this job. Yeah, and in the SEC, it's so important to make a splash when you do this. You know, like you said, LSU did that, um, and hopefully, whoever Auburn hires doesn't try an absolutely horrible uh, Alabama accent when he uh, when he gets hired down there <laughs> on the plains. <laughs> let me say this too, because uh, it was I lost my train of thought towards the end of what I was saying, but, um, but go, going out and getting Brian Kelly is one thing, but you could also do what Arkansas did. And that, that would be what hiring Cadillac is doing. Be kind of like an Arkansas hire where you hire a guy who's never been a head coach, but is just a good people person. He's a good manager of a program. That would be Cadillac. Hire him here. Give him the Art Bryles and, you know, stud defensive coordinator to go do the in-game stuff. Have someone on staff, like you said, maybe a- as an associate head coach or an assistant to the head coach that has had head coaching experience, maybe at a lower level, just to be in his ear about clock stuff. You know, just just the small, minute things that go on during a game. Like, okay, don't call a timeout now. Call it in 10 seconds. Or, you know, yeah. just those small intricacies of coaching if you can give him the two coordinators like Arkansas had last year to or two years ago to ease Sam Pittman into his job I think it it could work the problem is I think it has a low ceiling and it is still risky 
Yeah, definitely risky. Um, and I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see like what direction teams go in this new NIL era too. I mean, it's yes. just, there's de- recruiting is different. It's year round now. You're trying to sell kids different things than you were 10, 20 years ago. And, and I just, I'm really interested to see how older coaches adapt to that and how newer coaches that you know get hired this off season, next off season, the one after that. You know, NC State is. There's rumors that Dave Doran's going to go jump for another job, so NC State might be a player for a new coach next season. I'm really interested to see like how the next this next generation of coaches approaches that change in college athletics. Yeah, well, we should have a really interesting coaching carousel because of NIL this year. There, there, there are programs that maybe uh, the nation doesn't see as destination job for coaches, but because of their NIL package they're going to be able to offer are automatically destination jobs for coaches like Auburn as as bad as things have been in Auburn they have one of the best NIL uh, availabilities of anybody in the entire country and that that at the end of the day is going to be the most important thing for a head coach I think when they're making a decision okay can I afford to go get a competitive roster and at Auburn that answer is yes yes a million times yes uh, so I, th- I think NIL is going to help revive some of these programs like it's doing with Miami right now. They've got like five-star guys committing there right now, and they lost yeah. to Middle Tennessee this year. Yeah, I mean, forget about what's happening this season. Like it's all yeah. about what's happening next season, two seasons I, from now. Absolutely. It doesn't matter that the wheels have completely fallen off and Mario Cristobal is kind of a meh head coach right now. John, John Ruiz is stroking those checks, man. And that's, <laughs> I, I, I can't blame players for it, man. That's, Go go make your money. I, I wish you were going to a place where you'd compete and like we'd be able to feature your talents on TV, but go make your money for your family. At the end of the day, that's really what most of these guys are doing it for, you know, that they're doing it to provide. They're not doing it for the money, but they're doing it as a way to provide. Yeah, man, grab a plate. Make sure all your people can grab a plate too. You know, make sure everybody's taken care of. A lot of these guys, and I mean, I mean, not to get too deep into this, as we're almost out of time for the show, but a lot of these guys are the men of their houses, or you know, have you know, forced to be are forced to be the men of their houses because of their living situations. And you know, you've just in a sport like football where a blown out knee can end your dream. You've got to just get it when you can. And it's, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be figured out. But it's great that we've made that possible for this group of athletes to to be able to do that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely needed, and it is it is deserved by those guys. They that they're the ones whose careers are going to run out, not the analyst, not the coach, not the not the fans. They're the ones whose knees are going to get hit, like you said, whose you know collarbones are going to get broke, whose spines are going to get contused or whatever. Um, that that they should be making money as early as they can because there there is just there is no lifespan in football. They they could talk about the averages. There is no lifespan in football. It, 99.99999% of people never make it to the professional level in, in football to actually start making some money. So if you get a chance to in college, go where, go wherever gives you the most, or at, at least wherever you see the highest earning potential. Maybe it's not right out of the gate, but you know, highest earning potential, go make your money. This should be a business decision for you. Yeah, absolutely. And 
as we wind down here on the Sunday shake, man, that was a, I said 30 to 45 at the beginning, but we, we always do this. We always overshoot our time. Well, th this was also the right hash clash, you know? Yes, indeed. We, <laughs> th this is a, a, also just the biggest game in football this year. So of, of course it, it happens to be between our two teams, but if LSU and Alabama had been one and three, I feel like we probably talk about this game just as much. Yeah. I mean, it would have had that kind of profound impact on the, on the playoff. And, you know, we're, we're focusing on the big picture here. I mean, here on the right hash, we, we want to be as, as expert and informed as possible on what we're going to be watching in December and January. So this, this was just the kind of the first weekend of that. Um, and we, I feel like we have a, a, a solid foundation to kind of go back and then be like, all right, you know, we've got the first piece of the puzzle next week. We're going to have another piece of the puzzle two weeks from now. We're going to have another Thanksgiving. We're going to have another, and this is just, this is that time of year. And it's, it's just really great. And, you know, kind of a, a quick teaser for a potential show that may be coming up this week. Uh, Aston Villa have just beaten Man United, which makes this Man City fan very, very happy this yeah. morning. Um, but be, be, on, be on the lookout this this week, maybe next week. Uh, we, we, we might have a, a Premier League uh, right hash episode coming coming for you. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. No promises on the timing. I'm trying to work that out with our third party. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll have something very, very soon for you soccer folks out there. Yeah, we, we, we need to have a real live British person on, on the show if we're going to talk EPL. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Um, yep. We will have that show coming uh, coming very soon. And we will, of course, have another episode of The Right Ash coming out uh, this week, as well as we'll get back to our predictions and picks and you know the drill, all that good stuff. Uh, but Alex, th thanks a lot for this uh, this extended uh, Sunday shake. I know my, my, my Reds kick off in less than half an hour, so I'm, I'm going to try to get this show out before they start. Of course... Of course, it's an NFL Sunday, so so go and, Liverpool, go Washington, go you know go Jacksonville, I guess. Uh. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, real, real quick, you get you got you got to tell him from your personal Twitter. But thanks to 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 the great Jeff Dantzler for the shout out on the uh, the post game show for the Bulldogs last night. Um, you know, it, that's the nice thing about the SEC, man. It, we can root against each other, but still be friends. Yeah, man, we are a village, man. We are a village. It's like every other conference hates the SEC so much. We we kind of have to have each other's back, right? <laughs> I mean, J JD is just one of the best in the business, even as a Tennessee fan, even before you started working there. I knew who Jeff Dantzler was. And that yeah. that's just that's a testament to the to George's program and just hit him in general. Yeah, man, just uh, just a treat to have been working with that guy as long as I have. I started Back in 2019 with the Georgia women's broadcast, I was his producer and he just, you know, he was always treated me so nicely and was very yep. patient with me as I made mistakes early on in my radio career. And he's just, he's just great to work with. So yeah, thanks a lot. I echo that again. Uh, thanks a lot for giving us a little shout out to Dog Nation last night. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners overlap with, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs Sports Network and the right hash, but um, that that is the show he was shouting out. This is us. Um, and we were really grateful for that. So uh, with, with, oh, yeah. It, if you if you're ever interested or got the time, we'd love to have you on for five minutes just to 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 pick your brain. Oh, that would be fantastic. I I might be able to make that happen down the road. So uh, so stay tuned for that. And um, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to this extended Sunday shake. We are going to go enjoy an NFL Sunday, an EPL Sunday, uh, what have you, just a Sunday off before uh, the work week starts up again, and we barrel toward another episode of the Right Hash and of another football weekend, big games in the SEC coming up again next week. Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State, and just a lot of others. We're going to get to all that, and we are going to preview those on the right hash, and we are going to say goodbye now as my voice is just about gone, and our time yep. is just about out. Got to get ready for the skins. Got to get ready for Liverpool. 
So thanks a lot once again from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This has been the Sunday Shake. We will talk to you next week on, or I guess later this week, on The Right Hash. From The Right Hash, this has been the Sunday Shake. Join us next week for more college football reactions.